What's up, everyone? You're listening to episode 73 of Fearless Rebel Radio. Today, I'm talking to Kyla Prinz all about discovery, not recovery. You can find all the details about Kyla's amazing Discovery Not Recovery program at summerinandin.com forward slash FRR-73. Let's get started with the show. Hey, everyone. I'm really excited about my guest here today. Today, I have Kyla Prinz on the show. She is a good friend of mine and a colleague, and she's been on the show before, but she is back because it's been quite a while since I last talked to her. For those of you that don't know Kyla, she is a motivational speaker, workshop leader, wellness coach, dance teacher, and drag queen trapped in a cis woman's body who helps women heal their body image through discovery, not recovery. Welcome back, Kyla. Yay, thank you for having me and thank you for waking up early to <laughs> to have me back on the show. Yeah, there's th- there's a beautiful sunrise happening outside my window, so uh, that's all I can all I can cool. see right now is my dog eating breakfast. So That's beautiful too. <laughs> that's beautiful too. I would love it's, that. It's, it's, <laughs> So for the, for anyone that wants to check out when you were on the show before, I'm just going to shout that out. That was uh, You can find that at summerinandin.com forward slash FRR-22 because it was episode 22. So now we're doing episode 73. So it's definitely been a while since we last chatted and um, so much has changed for you, I feel like. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like you've done a lot of really amazing things from the last time we spoke until now. Yeah, it has been a really crazy, crazy journey. And I think that's kind of the the beauty of the whole process um, <laughs> of recovery, actually. Um, mostly because as soon as you open yourself up to the idea that you don't know what's coming next, but you're going to do everything in your power to just go out and have a good time and experience it, um, then things come and they come quickly. <laughs> that's such you a know? that's such a cool way of putting it. I love I love that. So I w- I definitely want to talk about how you how you are able to channel that energy and and overcome some fears. Before we do that, though, I would love I would love for you to just I know you talked about your story a lot in the first episode that we had mm-hmm. you on here, but maybe you can just give um, a shortened version just for people who maybe aren't familiar with with your story and how you got to to being this incredible woman who dresses up in drag and (laughs) does burlesque and all this other amazing stuff with your life. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So the nutshell version, because I'm sure those who actually have heard the story before are sick of hearing it, but, uh, (laughs) so basically, basically, um, when I was 13 years old, I developed what would 10 years later be diagnosed as anorexia. Um, the thing is, it really wasn't anorexia. It was orthorexia. It was exercise addiction. It was eating disorder, not otherwise special, uh, not otherwise specified. And so nobody diagnosed it because unless you are quote unquote anorexic, and there are some very specific things that that conjures up in people's minds, unless you look like you're dying, nobody gives basically, they're like, you're so healthy. I want to look like you. Mm-hmm. And being told I want to look like you and you're so healthy and keep doing what you're doing and how do I do what you do kind of reinforced over and over and over for many, many years that what I was supposed to be doing was eating salad without dressing and peanut butter on rice cakes instead of anything else. Um, that's, you know, it, it was, it was a very unhealthy cycle. And, um, you know, after I was finally diagnosed with anorexia, when I lost my period, um, that's when, 
I was like, okay, I actually am sick and I do need to do something about it. I quit. I had quit graduate school to become a personal trainer because that was more important in my life. I realized that I had more value as a personal trainer than I did in theater because my theater professors kept telling me, oh, theater's a dying art. Oh, you'd make such a good theater critic. Too bad that that's not a job anymore, et cetera, et cetera. And, but every time I went to the gym, people would tell me, oh, you look amazing. How do I look like you? Can you teach me? Wow. Yeah. So when my value was consistently reinforced as coming from what my body looked like and how I controlled it versus the creativity that I had, the passion that I had, the drive that I had, when the thing that um, since I was seven years old and first saw Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella at the Kravitz Center, um, that thing that I wanted to do with my life, right? Yeah, that was became less important than people's uh, adoration and love for my you know, perfectly trimmed and toned and uh, controlled body. And I realized that that was what I was, quote unquote, supposed to be doing. And that started me down a very, very bad spiral. And that last year of my sickness, um, I had to quit graduate school. I moved back in with my mom. I was suicidally depressed. I had tried every medication that you could try and had horrible effects. Um, so medication wasn't even an option at that point. Um I mean, like, you know how uh, there are some people who just uh, get every side effect that's listed on the bottle? Yes. <laughs> that was me. Leg tremors, mm. brain shivers, you name it, I had it. It sucked. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I moved back in with my mom, and I got a job in retail after having run the theater department, an award-winning theater department of a high school and gone to graduate school for the theater. Wow. Um, and the retail job changed my life. It was actually wonderful, and I, I am grateful every day to um, the fruit stand, as we called it. Um, I'll, I'll let you figure out which retail company I worked for. Um, <laughs> it was an incredible job. I loved it. Um, and it was where I kind of started what I now call recovered enough. It was where I was, um, like, eating more food and, like, going out at night and, like, doing some things, but still very conscious of my body, still trying to become a personal trainer, still at the gym every day, still deriving my identity and my value from my body. Mm -hmm. um, so I was, quote, unquote, nourishing myself now, but I was also obsessed with it. Um, and I ended up, like, starting a blog about it. Um, and that was when I injured my ankle and I, uh, let, which would lead me to six years of chronic pain <laughs> and nerve damage and tendon damage. Um, but I injured myself because I was still over exercising and couldn't stop. Um, I became a vegan and I did that for nine months until I lost my period again. So I was obsessed with, again, nourishing myself and clean, healthy food and the crazy, sexy diet. And, and if someone could cure cancer by being vegan, I guess I could cure my belly pouch that I had gotten from, uh, eating again. Right. You know, like yeah. it, somehow in my brain, like cancer and body fat were uh, synonymous. Mm, I so think probably in a lot of people's brains, honestly. It 100% is. But my identity, again, became I'm a vegan. I'm all about like I make vegan food. I only eat vegan things. I follow vegan blogs online. I, I cook vegan meals that don't taste vegan. Ha ha ha. I tricked you. You know, things like that. Um, I love my green smoothie. Here's a picture of it. Um, mm. and when I lost my period again, I went, holy cats, what just happened? Like, I'm supposed to be healthy. I'm supposed to be not getting cancer. <laughs> right? right. And then here I am with, you know, amenorrhea for the second time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so then I started doing paleo and that was kind of how we met. 
uh, you and I, um, mm-hmm. and I was paleo for like a good two and a half years. Although that last half a year, I started questioning things because, um, I would go to events like paleo FX and have people who listened to my podcast or came to my talks, come up to me and say, I'm exercise addicted. I'm orthorexic. I, um, I can't stop exercising. I have all these injuries. I'm so worried about being thin. I'm, but I have to optimize my body because like once I had a stomach ache and like, and it just, it made me so sad to hear the stories of people who were still using a specific diet to control and to remain trapped in the idea that if you gain weight at all, you are sick, you are unwell, you are morally bad, you um, don't belong to a community, like you should be shunned and ostracized. And it just made me so sad. And that was when I just said enough is enough. Mm -hmm. I'm done. And that was when I started bringing people onto my podcast who challenged my way of thinking or taught me. Um, I didn't explicitly say like, teach me your ways, but I specifically chose people um, who had things to say that were against my belief system um, because I wanted to know how you could live without, you know, fat phobia and without restriction and without over exercise and without rules. Um, And believe it or not, there are people who are doing it or who are trying to do it or who are paving the way for others to do it. Um, intersectional feminists. I talk to a lot of people who identify as fat, who identify as queer, who identify as quote unquote outside of the norm. I talk to professors. I, you know, I just didn't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, I began what I, I really am calling my discovery process. And those who know me are probably sick of hearing about it, but uh, just to re, re up on that. Um, so recovered enough is when you are not anorexic or, um, on a diet, depending on like where you are on the spectrum of mental illness, right. Of disorder. Um, because you can be disordered without having the mental illness eating disorder and still have many of the same thought patterns and behaviors. So I speak to both ends of that spectrum, but so recovered enough is when you're like, Oh, but I'm nourishing myself. I'm strong, not skinny. I'm my identity and my self-worth and everything is still tied up in how I look or how I perform health. Right. Um, and how, uh, you know, my business is about this. My friendships are about this. My relationships are based on this. Um, that's recovered enough. And what happens is it's not enough. It's not enough because you have to figure out what the hell else you want to do with your life. And that was really when I started saying, so what else is there? And I deleted every single app and every single blog. And I just was, I was done. I started listening to stand up comedy. I started taking voiceover lessons. I started dating again. Um, and dating people who I hadn't met at the gym, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that was how I found uh, burlesque, actually. You know, I, I went on a date with a guy whose best friend was a burlesque dancer and um, he and, you know, he and I didn't last. But um, and, you know, we're still we're still friendly. Um, but because of him, like that show, I got to see people who were fat, who were not the traditional, like classic, what you'd think when you say, oh, burlesque dancer, Dita Von Tees, right? Like, right. This, you know, corset trained, waist trained, perfect, quote unquote, perfect, because I don't think that that is actually the, the correct word. But um, what society this, deems as perfect. Yes, exactly. When you when you look at Dita, that's not what I saw on stage. I saw mm-hmm. a celebration of body sizes, shapes and abilities and colors and backgrounds and styles. Wow. And 
um, it was when there was this uh, traveling performer because I, I went to go see if anyone's in the Bay Area, go please go to the Hubba Hubba Review. It's so good. It's so professionally produced. Um, the big sh- month end show um, or the big monthly show is always like a giant extravaganza. And it was at that show that like they had this traveling showgirl from Texas who was fat. Like that was, you know, for me, it was such a mind fuck because she got on stage and like, here I am this like controlled thin person, right? Weight suppressed is really what I was. Um, you know, I'm still straight sized, but I was weight suppressed and (laughs) you know, I'm watching this person just like unfurl on stage. I don't know if there's a better word, like just her and fans (laughs) and this gorgeous robe. And I just went, Oh my God, I want that. And it was at that moment when I really committed myself to like looking at other bodies and being okay with them and seeing their beauty and their grace and their legitimacy and their value and recognizing that because I can see that in others, I need to be able to see that in myself. And that's why I started doing burlesque. It's like before I even left, I was looking up burlesque lessons. <laughs> <laughs> and now, I mean, you're producing burlesque shows, right? Mm-hmm. I'm actually producing, co-producing my very first show um, on October 7th in Redwood City, which is incredible because, um, I mean, I've been, so I, that was Uh, I guess two and a half years ago or something at this point. Um, And I didn't find any burlesque lessons where I lived um, because I live in a suburb of San Francisco, uh, which is, you know, San Jose. So it's not like it's not, no one's ever heard of it. Um, It's Silicon Valley. Right. Um, But there's a lot of tech bros and not a lot of burlesque. Let's just put it that way. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. That's true. (laughs) But there is one pole dance studio um, in my specific area. And so I went there. And I pole danced for about a year before I got into burlesque. Um, and it's because of my my boyfriend who um, he actually is friends with some burlesque dancers because, of course, he is. Uh, he knows everyone in the South Bay. It's kind of hilarious. Um, That's awesome. It's amazing. So he took me to a party and he's like, you need to meet these people. And he introduced me to Tease Blossom, Boysenberry Cupcake and Coco Jewel. And they convinced me to do burlesque with them. And... Um, I haven't stopped since then. So it was my one year burlesque anniversary on August 9th was my very first show at uh, Crystal Bougon's uh, Curvy Girl Lingerie Fashion Show. Nice. And I, yeah, it's like, it's one of those things where like I started and I realized that, you know, my background in theater and dramaturgy and playwriting and um, performance and direction and all of that suddenly like I have the ability to go back to doing the thing that I've wanted to do since I was seven. Only this time it's more glitter and pasties, <laughs> you know? That's so great. I love that. it. <laughs> I love that you came back to that, 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 that was really what you were destined for all along. And, but you and found, that, you found your way back. Yeah. And that's, what's so cool about discovery because, so the thing is, if you had said to me, in 2010, when I was like diagnosed with anorexia, right? If you had said to me, like, this is how it's going to be, I would have been like, fuck you. No, what? That's yes. not even, that's not even a remote possibility. And so when people ask me like, well, but how do I know what I'm supposed to do? I say, you, you're not supposed to know. Like you, you don't, discovery is not a process that you enter into the way that you would enter into a diet or an exercise program. Because a diet and an exercise program, they tell you what the outcome is going to be and mm-hmm. how you get there. 
and they give you a list of foods you can eat or not eat. And they give you a list of exercises you can do or not do in the order you're supposed to do them in. And you follow it and hopefully the outcome happens. And we become so dependent upon this that we lose our ability to see outside of a meal plan and an exercise plan and a, you know, a written list of directions. And the thing about discovery is like, if you had told me how to get here, I probably wouldn't have done it. You know, right. It's uh, we become so disempowered and Mm -hmm. and and we also I think anyone with with food and body issues is a control freak. Oh, yeah. And it's really hard to not know where you're going, like to (laughs) to say, okay, this is what this is where you're going to end up. And this is exactly how we're going to get there. And that's I mean, that's the, the obviously the, the tricky part about the work that we do is that you can't say that because you don't know what because you, you don't know who you are until you know who you are. Right. And like, you know, here's the deal. Um, and, you know, you and I were talking a little bit about this yesterday over Facebook. But um, so I was just diagnosed with this like incurable heart condition called POTS. Um, and you know who it affects not people who have like congenital heart disease and not people who only eat Twinkies and not people who are morbidly obese or underweight or whatever. It affects people who are type A. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, I feel like a lot of my life has just been the opportunity to be a, um, an example <laughs> for other people. Right. And not always a good example. Like sometimes I lead by example in discovery and I'm like, Hey, come to my burlesque show, take a burlesque class with me, you know, like learn about body positivity, listen to my podcast, whatever. Right. Like right. that's, that's one kind of way of being an example. The other way of being an example is ending up having to post all of these tearful videos on Facebook where I'm like, Hey, so, you know, turns out that I have chronic nerve damage and my ankle's never going to get better. And Hey, so I, tore the tendons in my wrists and also have dorsal wrist impingement syndrome because I didn't stop when I felt pain or, you know, Hey, so (laughs) I'm type A and trying to control everything in my life and I'm not even 30 and now I have an incurable heart condition. Like it's just like, guys, we got to calm down because, um, the world has taught us that there's a certain way to be. And it turns out that that way to be the one that tells us we're going to be healthy and successful and all of the things, um, is also slowly killing us <laughs> or at least me. I don't know. I don't know if it's affecting anybody else. It Maybe is. I'm, just, I'm just an example for uh, myself, but it I is feel like, you know, if my story can help people in any way, I would like that. I think there's a lot of other people out there that are similar, but there's a lot of denial around, I did this, that, you know, some of my actions may have contributed to the, the, the results of this condition, my, the, you know, my, my disorder or, um, may, mm-hmm. you know, may have led to this injury instead of just, cause there's denial involved in it. Right. I'm not saying that that's you now because you're pretty, you're pretty, you are honest and open about it in that, you know, you say like, I, I pushed through the pain and this is what happened. And so Mm -hmm. please, please don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I mean, what did it get me? Mm -hmm. You know, like at the end of the day, I haven't done pole dance in like six or seven months because I fucked up my wrists and I haven't gone running in like what five years because I fucked up my ankle. 
So it's not like I got to be the best runner by pushing through my injury. And it's not like I'm going to get to be the best pole dancer because I pushed through my injury. Um, and you know, like the fact that now every time I like stand up, I get dizzy, um, because my heart rate just randomly speeds up for no reason. Like that's going to make it difficult for me to do things like burlesque where there's a lot of like tricks and sitting to standing. So it's not like all of this striving and, you know, pushing and begging and, and like trying so hard to make it be the thing I want it to be. It's not like that helped. <laughs> and it's not like it made it easier for me to actually succeed. Right. And like, so, and I'm not saying like, oh, then we should just all like be sitting on our couch and never trying for anything. But I think it's, there's a happy medium in there that it's very hard to see what that is because you really can only see it when you're not doing it. And, the, and there's a lot of us have this desire. It's, it's either, you know, 110% or nothing at all. Or <laughs> that's the kind of, that's, that's our MO for the way that we operate our lives. And that is what leads to things like burnout mm-hmm. and, um, you know, health conditions because you just keep going and going and going until your body literally shuts down and is like, all right, if you're not going to stop, I'm going to stop you. Exactly. And that's just no no fun. Like I, I don't wish any of this on anybody else. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm sorry about that. You know, that, that, the heart condition, it's, uh, it's it's really unfortunate. It's not like, you know, it's funny. It's not like it hasn't already been happening for months. It's just that now that it has a name, it's scary. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's, that's the problem. Yeah. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, otherwise well, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's life, <laughs> you know, you just, you just deal with it. Um, but it definitely, it sucks. Well, I really appreciate your honesty about stuff. Yeah, thank you. I do, because I think that it would be easy to just, you know, not that you have an obligation to share it among with with my you know with this audience or your audience or anybody else you know but but I think that the fact that you do shows a lot of courage and vulnerability just to be so be so open about about that in an effort to help other people as well yeah and I mean you know it's it's tough because what happens is, you know, I don't also want to be like a martyr and be celebrated for my injuries and my pain. Like that is not something I want in my life. No, uh, I'd like to move past it. But I think that there is also a um, there's a culture that's developing where like everybody, because you have an uh, an injury or a, or a difficulty in your past, like suddenly, you know, you become the expert on the thing and you have to have a blog and you have to create a program and you you know and like and you know that's part of me like I so I've been stepping back a lot from the stuff that I do at performing woman um you know especially around coaching because part of me realizes that like as much as I want to be there to like specifically call out like here's why I'm an example of all the things you can do or shouldn't do part of me realizes that it's no longer serving me and my, my recovery and my discovery. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like I, I worked for a year creating a program, um, and I just launched it and I feel like that's going to be kind of my last hurrah in this realm for a little while. Um, because 
what I want to focus on right now is rather than specifically doing what, um, you know, what I've been doing, which is like, let me call out, here's how I'm recovering here. I just want to go do the thing and not have to say it anymore. Right. Yeah. You know, because it's the same thing with recovered enough. I feel like, you know, when you're recovered enough, you're like, here's my smoothie I ate today. Here's my exercise. I'm getting strong. There's a point where it stops serving you. Like you have to do it for a little while to get to the place where you need to be. But now I just want to teach my burlesque classes. I'm producing my own one woman burlesque show, which I'm, I'm still kind of in shock. Um, so 54 below in New York city. So 54 below is part of studio 54, the studio oh 54. Oh my God. So cool. Yeah. Um, I was accepted to their concert series and so are their concert lab. So essentially I have to fly from California to New York city three times this winter and, and fall, um, to go and workshop some of the numbers for this one woman show that I'm producing. And then because I've started a, a burlesque theater company in San Jose with my co-part, my co-producer, um, Scarlett Kant, um, we're going to, I'm going to try to produce my one woman show through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, if I'm spending all of my time talking about, here's how I'm an example, here's how this, here's how you can do this here. It's like, I lose time to actually go and make the thing that might actually make a change. Cause a lot of the stories that I'm going to tell in this one woman show are the same thing, but without explicitly calling it out as coaching or as an example or as, you know, inspiration for other people. It just is that. And hopefully that will translate in and allow people to heal through art as opposed to just through like, you know, my explicitly coaching them, you know? Yeah. Is it kind of like a metaphor, like an an illustrative metaphor of, of the aspects of, of that journey and of the, of Mm -hmm. the things that you're calling out? Is that, is that a way to describe kind of what you're doing with the dance to, to translate that. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there's, there are some like explicit things. So basically the concept for the show, and I'm so excited about it is, um, it's called how lovely to be a woman. So it's about the experience of being born with a vagina and experiencing, uh, you know, uh, identifying as a woman, um, and the ways in which we dress up as woman and all of the things that means. So I'm going to cover, you know, how we're conditioned not to do STEM and how we're harassed when we're dating and how like, uh, you know, how many of us go through life thinking that we're supposed to be um, in codependent relationships or abused. And I will have a number explicitly about the disorder, um, about dieting and, and all of the things that it takes away from you. Um, and I think I, I started practicing that one when I was at the Hawaii Burlesque Festival. I was uh, had some downtime. So I was in my room uh, singing and I definitely like made myself cry because it was it was rough. That was that was the rough number to work on. But like that's to me, I just want to make art now. I want to yeah. make art that touches people. Um, there are so many incredible coaches, you included, who are already doing this work and who are that resource and who are, um, you know, really influencing people. I want to make art. I want to write my book about uh, marketing psychology and behavioral economics. Like I want to just go make the art and, you know, have a different way of using my voice the way that I know I can do that more effectively, you know? Well, I think it's such a cool, like, I, you know, I love to see, I love it when um, people take body positivity and they, they, they use their own spin on, on spreading the word and helping other people. 
-hmm. So, you know, Vivian McMaster comes to mind for me immediately because she uses photography and selfies. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and, and she just did, she, it was through her own discovery process, similar to yours, that she realized the power of it to transform the way that you see yourself. And it's so it, to me, I, I love like, you know, you're probably one of my favorite people to, that that does something like that. That's just so different, but has a similar impact. And yeah. it's just coming at it from this very different angle, because I think we need we need those different angles um, because different things reach different people. And I, I love stuff that is more. Is it, would it be considered right brain? Is that the creative side of your brain or is it left I, brain? I always I get it mixed so. up, but I, you know think so. I think it's right brain, right? So <laughs> I love things that tap into that side of ourselves because that is where we get outside of our own head and we see things from this entirely different perspective. And so I think it's, I mean, I, I, I support you in whatever you do. I think you're amaz an amazing coach as well, but I love how you are going in this direction that will enable you to do something that you have always been really passionate about, like your creativity and, and the theater and the performance while still having this, this message and still connecting with people and helping people just in a different platform. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, when you think about it, like the origins of theater, right. Um, as we know it, at least in the West, um, come from Greece where there was, you know, this giant festival every year where people would go for catharsis. Um, that was where the word catharsis basically came from. They would go to like have this ceremony where they would, um, basically enact all of these like, uh, body and raunchy things and deep and dark and tragic things. And they would all experience them as a group together in celebration and then have that sense of um, relief of having already lived it. Um, and that sense of like that sigh at the end where it's like, okay, I have closure now. And that's what I want to do when I make art. Like I want to give people that sense of like community of experience of closure because, um, you know, I, I, I still write and I still record my videos and I still, I'm planning on, you know, writing books about this and giving talks about this. Like one of my favorite things to do is go give a talk. I did one in Ohio where I, I finally got to meet Sarah, Sarah Vance in person. Um, you know, like I got up in front of a group of people and gave a talk, which again was a way of doing this kind of art form, if you will, of closure and catharsis and experience. And so I just want to keep doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause you know, I just like, I feel like that's where I can make the most impact and, Really, if I can make an impact on people's lives, I intend to do it for as long as you guys will let me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's more like for as long as you will just let yourself do it, too. <laughs> oh, totally. 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 I, I have to ask you because I'm not sure and I'm sure you've explained this and maybe I just haven't heard it. But mm -hmm. when you say you're a drag queen trapped in this woman's <laughs> body, what does that mean? And yeah. how did you know? Uh, sorry, what was your second question? How did you know? Um, okay. So I'll explain kind of how this came about and then what it means now. So when I was going through the worst of my anorexia and at that point it was still just orthorexia and exercise addiction, um, it was 2010. Um, and I had had it with my body. Um, I guess it must've been 2009 at that point. Um, and that was when I was in graduate school. So my, my eating disorder began when I was 13 years old, the day I got my period. 
um, I am, I, it's hard to explain because gender is a fluid thing and some people don't accept that definition. But, um, you know, I was born with a vagina. I was, uh, immediately, as soon as I was able to do so, I identified as female. Um, and I was into princesses and, you know, I played Barbies and I eventually wore makeup and I do the things that those who identify as female, um, in the general sense, obviously this is a blanket statement, but you know, Mm -hmm. are expected to do right. And I never questioned it, but it always felt weird for me because I don't feel like I'm very good at being, uh, female. (laughs) It never fit. When all of my friends uh, in fifth grade, when Britney Spears came out with her like super low jeans and my mom offered to get me a pair, I didn't want it. I wanted to wear my mom jeans that were like pulled up to my nose. I, you know, like I was not interested in being sexy or feminine in the sense of like being um, attractive, you know, like I just Mm -hmm. wanted to be me and just get through life. Like I was big fan of like just those awful like. I had these gross mesh basketball pants that I wore all the time and like this pair of overall overalls that I wore every other day in middle school um, and these giant billowy shirts because I didn't want anyone to see my body. Um, so being female ha- has always <laughs> felt like a threat to my body, mm. like always, mostly because I was scared to death of sex, like for my entire life. Like since I was eight years old, I can I can pinpoint the moment when I was like, I never going to do that. I never want to have babies. I don't ever want to have sex. Get away from me. Wow. Uh, and so when I got my period, it was this giant mind fuck because it was the day after I had my first quote unquote kiss. Mm. Um, this kid like pecked me on the lips and asked me to be his girlfriend. But um, so I felt this, you know, the hormonal thrill of like, oh, my gosh, I, you know, I have this thing now. Um, but then also this intense fear where I basically began a war on this body that was born with a vagina that does things that bodies with vaginas do and gets fat in places that bodies with vaginas get. And it just felt wrong to me. And so I tried my best to erase it. You know, a lot of the anorexia, I all basically all three instances where I ended up anorexic, um, in, 2001, 2007, and 2009 were all around relationships, around boys, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, you know, anytime that there was a threat of being in a sexual relationship with anyone um, or a romantic relationship or having to identify as female in contrast to someone who identifies as male and has a penis, I it just set me down this horrible spiral. And so I remember in 2009... Um, when I was busy working on making myself as boxy and androgynous as possible, um, I said to my friend in my program, my, my dramaturgy program in New York, I I basically said to him, I feel like I'm a drag queen who's just trapped in a woman's body. And what I mean by that is I feel like I love like putting on the act of being woman. Like I love performing woman, which is where the title of my blog came from. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. I love like when I get on stage and I am dressed up as a woman and I put on the makeup and the hair and the nails and the dresses and the glitter when I'm performing woman, I feel most comfortable. But when I wake up and I have to just put on jeans and a t-shirt and like be a woman, I don't feel comfortable mm. and it doesn't fit me. 
And so I don't know, there's no like identification for, I feel like I'm just a thing who, you know, a person who has a vagina, who happens to do things that people who are, you know, who are given the identity female, assigned female at birth do, but I don't feel like I'm very good at performing it. I don't feel like it ever, like that performance, the everyday performance fits me. And so it helps me to be a drag queen when I go on stage and do burlesque because that is where I feel most comfortable because I can explore the act of performing woman while kind of safe because I'm removed from it because it isn't real. Um, and I can play with it and I can question it and I can bend it. And that to me feels the safest because it gives me that almost like a meta sense of being myself. Right. Um, and it's a place where I'm also celebrated, um, and validated. And so, you know, like when you're on stage and you have an audience cheering for you and encouraging you to continue doing what you're doing, that feels to me like a safer place than like a place where, you know, you're getting catcalled or being mansplained or talked over at work or, you know, you know, cheated out of wages or whatever the thing is, you know, like that doesn't feel as safe as like where I'm on stage and people validate that identification. So anyway, long story short, I am a drag queen who's was born with a vagina. Um, <laughs> that's my, that's my explanation. I hope it made sense. Yeah. Well, what is that? What has that done to help you be more comfortable with who you are? Oh man. Well, you know, since I've been performing, um, it really, like I am in the first sexual relationship that hasn't triggered an eating disorder right now. Mm. So, um, I feel like, I feel like it's, it's made me feel more comfortable because the things that I learn while I'm doing drag, um, make me feel more comfortable when I go back to being regular me. And so, you know, and, and having, I mean, having a partner who's like fully supportive of body positivity and body acceptance and, um, my burlesque and the drag and all of it really helps. Um, you know, I got so freaking lucky when I, I met the guy who is now my boyfriend, um, because he has helped me through that exploration in a really safe way. Um, but doing the drag really, I, I feel like, you know, it's not makeup I'd wear every day or like clothing or wigs that I'd wear every day. But when I'm doing it, I just feel like I'm a different person. You know, when I'm Dee Dee Queen, which is my um, my stage name, like I feel like I am a more effusive and social and friendly person. But, you know, like last night, the um, women in my show came over to rehearse sword fighting with me. And like they stayed late and we just talked and it was so cool because I felt like a, a social, effusive, fun person uh, at 1030 at night in my bedroom, which is not something that's normally comfortable for me. Normally, I'm trying to get people to go home as fast as possible so I can introvert. So, you know, I feel like Dee Dee is starting to spill over a little bit into my daily life and it just feels really, really fun and interesting to explore that. That's cool. That's yeah. so great. I love that. It makes so. Yeah. I I I I'm, I apologize that I never asked you that before. I wish I oh, no. understood kind of the story behind it. <laughs> it's all good. It's been a long time since we've like podcasted. So I know because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how that's how um people talk these days. Like nobody nobody calls each other on the phone anymore. It's like, hey, you want to do want to record our conversation for like millions of people. <laughs> I wish it was millions. That's, that's like basically how I have friends right now. Is It's killing me because I don't podcast right now um, since I'm on a hiatus. And so it's been like, 
I don't remember how to talk to people. Like, do you just call them or like, do you have to schedule a time at like seven in the morning where you have, okay, this is going to be 45 minutes to an hour. And I have, I don't have any set questions, but we're going to discuss X, Y, Z. No, no, I guess that's not really how it works, huh? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have, I don't have a, the best answer to that because I'm, I'm not the greatest at like picking up the phone and calling people. So. <laughs> no, I, I'm a hundred percent not. I feel like podcasting has made me more social in the last several years than anything else besides going to burlesque shows. So, oh my, yeah, my, my know. business has made me much more social. Absolutely, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So uh, let's, because I know, because you've got your program, and I want to talk about that for sure. And so why don't you tell everyone a little bit about what it it is, and then we can talk about some of the different aspects of it, and maybe you can give some pieces of advice that come from it. Yeah, so, okay, so basically, um, I guess it was like a year and a half ago at this point, but I was... um, thinking about what I wanted to leave, like in terms of my message and like what I wanted to leave with my audience, like what I think that is, is the most important thing that my particular audience can learn. And, you know, I mean, my audience has become more diverse as I've diversified the people who I brought into the podcast and, um, the topics that I wrote about on my blog. Um, but I feel like there's like a hardcore group of people who consistently reach out to me and consistently message me and consistently share their stories with me. And their story is all pretty much the same. The story is I was orthorexic and exercise addicted. And then, um, I was never really diagnosed with an eating disorder or I was, but nobody really helped me with it. Or I feel like I didn't get the right kind of therapy that I needed. And so I just fell into this place of recovered enough. Um, I'm in this place where I want to keep restricting, but I'm calling it health, where I'm really scared about my health, but really I'm just scared about my thinness, but also everything is a health problem, like every stomach ache, every bloat, every creaking joint, every time my knee pops. Every acne. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God, the acne, yes. Or or amenorrhea. Many of us, uh, many of us, especially uh, people who've reached out to me of late, have amenorrhea or have dealt with irregular periods and are trying to find natural cures for it, right? So you go through the natural cure thing and then you find paleo or vegan or some kind of restrictive, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle, right? Um, We become bodybuilders and our sense of validation comes from it. Um, And then we get stuck, we become bloggers, we quit our jobs or we want to. Um, so that we can follow, become coaches, we get certified, we do all the things so that we can continue to validate this, these behaviors and reinforce them and give ourselves, trap ourselves basically into this lifestyle that's right. not a diet. And, you know, people come to me and they say, but I'm happier being thin. And I say, you're not happier being thin, you're happier doing thin. Um, or rather, you're happier feeling like you're being thin, but you are doing thin and you hate the act of doing thin, right? You hate the act of weight suppressing because if you were honestly, if your body was meant to look this way, you wouldn't have to do anything, right? Right. Um, And actually, I don't know if you saw, I released a video this week and I can send you the link to it um, specifically about the difference between being thin and doing thin. But um, 
you know, so that's what this program is for. It is uh, eight weeks. Uh, the first four weeks are called recover. And I'm not treating eating disorders. I'm just a disclaimer right now. If you have an eating disorder, I really, I cannot work with you without um, permission from a therapist or a care team. Um, like it is, it's, that's not my intention. When I call it recover, it really is getting through recovered enough. So you're already recovered, but you're still trapped in the mindset of recovery. Of I have to continue recovering and it's never going to get better from here. So I might as well just be miserable forever, except I don't want to be miserable forever. Right. So in recover, we'll discuss, you know, how to eat clean without a hashtag, <laughs> you know, how to eat intuitively without having to think about it, yeah. you know, how to stop exercising without losing your fitness, you yeah. know, and then we'll discuss, um, fat phobia because that to me is the, the, center point around which all of this, all of the behaviors, all of the doing thin, all of that revolves. So, Mm -hmm. um, and there's a couple of lessons on that. Um, then the second four weeks is discover. Um, and in the discovery phase, we start talking about what else you might want to do with your life because when, um, and I know, I know you and I have talked about this summer, uh, the recovered enough thing is like, people are like, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to get rid of my behaviors. And they do this and they get rid of the behavior and there's nothing there to replace the behavior. Mm -hmm. And it just feels empty and scary and lonely and bad. So what do you do? You go back to what you know, even if it's, even if it's bad, it's less bad than nothing, than a void, than an abyss. Right. Uh So you go back to the behaviors. Mm -hmm. So I want to teach people how to concurrent with their recovery process of getting rid of behaviors, how to build new behaviors, new value systems, new ways of validating themselves. And so um, the discover period, you know, there's no like meal plan for discovery, but there are certain things that we can do to help you figure out what you might want to do or might not want to do. Right. Because part of discovery is figuring out what doesn't work, too. So you don't have to do it. Right. (laughs) You know, right. And feel bad about it. So, um, and then at the end, you know, it, this is an introduction to discovery. So this isn't meant to like cure you of everything in eight weeks because anyone who can do that, like I'd like to meet them and shake their hand. Um, especially <laughs> to those, those people who have been trapped in the, this damaging mindset for years and years and years, but this is going to give you the tool set to continue working on it. And it is a process. Like I'm three years into discovery, um, where I'm like really actively, working on figuring out how to say yes and how to say no and how to figure out like, what do I want to be valued for? That's why I'm starting to move away from coaching because I've figured out that it's not the thing that, um, well, it fulfills me and is wonderful. It's not the ultimate thing that I can be doing to, to live up to my value system. Right. Right. Um, so, and the irony is, because I feel like I need to be coaching this because this is a thing that most people don't teach. Um, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, uh, so like I have the opportunity to be able to coach that, but then am I also sacrificing my own discovery? I don't know. So that's why I wanted to at least run the program once and see how it goes and see if it's worth running it again and helping people through it, you know, on a extended basis. But as of right now, this is like, this is it. So you know, it's an eight week process, technically nine weeks, because we're going to take a week off for Thanksgiving. But, um, you know, the idea is really to get from uh, to a point where you don't feel like, you know, the world is ending because you didn't have a protein mug cake. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yes. Yes. And um, did you I did. I don't think you mentioned the dates. When does it when does it start? 
So the goal is October 9th. Um, that would be the, the first video would be released. Um, we'd have our first call the Sunday following and we'll, uh, have all of our calls each Sunday. Um, so you'll get a new video on Monday and then the call would be the following Sunday. And the call I personally think is the most valuable part. Um, always because that's where you get to say, okay, I saw your video. It made me think about X, Y, Z. Now, how do I apply this? I have a question about X, Y, Z from the things that we learned, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, I just think that this is the chance to really like, you know, I mean, coaching one-on-one, I feel like is a wonderful thing because it is just the calls <laughs> where we discuss your specific situation and how you apply these principles. And so this group program is the opportunity to do that, but also have a group of people who will be supporting you as well and sharing their stories from which you can learn. So I don't know. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think that, you know, this is, this is the culmination of all of the work that I have done in this. And if anybody has, you know, like you don't have to believe me that it's going to work. This is what I, I tell all my clients and I tell everybody who listens to anything I've ever had to say, you don't have to believe me yet because the thing is a lot of people get to the point where they're like, I have to see it to believe it. And that's why they get stuck because you won't feel body acceptance until you've done the work. Right. You just, so you just have to trust that by doing this process, by beginning it, you will get to a place where body acceptance is possible and then you will feel belief. I know. And the thing is, is that it's not, it's not like super glamorous, you know, like it's like weight loss. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think, I think that that's, you know, people want it to be and it's, um, it's in the, in the, you know, raw honesty of it. It's like, yes, you're, you know, your, your life is going to be so much freer and your life is going to be so much better. But this whole like glamorization of life in general is really a myth. Like there's no, (laughs) there's no way to live like that period if you're human. Um, and, and, you know, we buy into it with diet culture because Mm -hmm. that, you know, we want that fantasy and our brains are so good at like latching onto a fantasy. But when we're talking about letting go of a fantasy, Mm-hmm. And, you know, starting to really just be in our own lives and be in who we are. It's, mm-hmm. it's not that glamorous. Yeah, it's not. But you know what happens is when you figure out what it is you want to do with your life, it gets so much easier. It's so like, much easier though, right? Yes. Yeah. It's so much easier. It's so much easier. And it's, there's something that is immensely gratifying about just knowing, knowing who you are and being comfortable with who you are and, and mm-hmm. living in the present moment of your life instead of waiting on something to happen or trying to control every little morsel of food in the hopes that it will change your life. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because, you and you know, like the people get, uh, and we'll discuss this in the program, actually, the, the exceptionalism thing. Well, it's like, well, yeah, that works for everybody else, but it doesn't work for me because I'm special. And it's like, you know, I, I want everyone to feel like they're special, unique snowflakes because they are, but also you're not that special. It will apply. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. it gets to a point where there's a lot of people who get so it wrapped up in the emotional sickness of it all and want to hold on to it because they feel like that makes them special. It makes them different. It makes okay. them have the thing that they can relate to or relate to others with, but also that sets them apart. And the thing is, you're not exempt. Um, and you're not that special. And that should be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like when I figured out that I wasn't that special, it allowed me to become special. Right. Right. You know, actually, that's a that's a really good point is that when I settled with average, like <laughs> when I was 
was just like, okay, I'm just yeah. average. Like I'm invisible sometimes, you know? Yeah. Okay. Like, and, and just and- kind of be comfortable with that. And it was, um, that, that there's something really freeing about that. And I know that sounds, that might sound crazy to people. Right. But like, how visible are you now because of it, because of it, you know, it's like, sure, sure. People might not be walking up to, to be like, how did you get that six pack? I have to look like you. Oh my God. Right. And then never talk to you again. Right. 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 But people are coming up to you saying like, oh, you changed my life. Oh, I enjoyed spending time with you. Oh, you're a radiant human. Like that feels to me like it's a little more special than like, just having a six pack. Cause guess what? If you can follow like a plan to make it happen, like, okay, if I just eat this way and exercise this way, then I'm going to be special. That's not very special. You know? know Yeah. And you know, you know, what's even more gratifying I think is that, um, not needing that. So like I, I remember, I actually remember this moment when I was in my early twenties and I was in a club and cause that's where I spent all my early twenties. Um, <laughs> and this girl came up to me and she was like, Oh my God, I love your body. You have the best body. And that's the only time that's ever happened to me in my life. And that was one of the greatest moments in my life at that time to get to a point where that is no longer something I seek out or crave or, cause I remember feeling upset when people didn't tell me that, you know, and it was yeah. it, like, Oh, so yeah, to, to just not be valued on anything, really, to just be me and not care what other people think, I think is like, is ultimately so powerful and so freeing. And yes. so, I'm you know, it's, it's not necessarily glamorous, but oh my God, like I can enjoy life so much better now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you don't owe anything to anybody in that to me or feel like you do because you know, you don't owe your body to anybody. No, like, And that's what, you know, that's honestly, that's what burlesque has taught me, which the irony is like the whole time I'm up on stage, you know, showing my body to everybody, but I don't owe it to anybody. And that's what I love about it because, you know, the striptease teaches you that you have the power to -hmm. say, this is when I'm taking my clothes off. This is the outfit that I'm going to wear. This is, you know, how I'm going to be safe and sexy and respected and, um, all of these things, like you, you're like, this is where you're going to look now. <laughs> this is how much I'm going to show you. And it's just, it's so nice because there's no, the audience doesn't have the power. And that's what it's, it's taught me in a lot of, it, I've been able to apply this in a lot of aspects of my life. Nobody else has the power over your body. Like that's just end of story. Right. You don't owe anybody. Mm-hmm. You don't owe anybody your six pack. You don't owe anybody your belly pooch. You don't owe anybody cellulite or not, wrinkles or not, a straight nose or a crooked nose. Like you don't owe anybody anything. Mm-hmm. And when you can accept that, when you can say like, no, this is mine. Sorry. You don't get to tell me how it's supposed to look. And I'm not going to internalize how other people think it should look or how I think other people should think it should look. Right. Like once you get to that point, then, you know, it's not easy and it's not like every day is 100 percent perfect and I never feel bad ever about my body. But like it's a lot smoother sailing. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it is. It's 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 yeah. amazing how much more, I don't know, just space, space, <laughs> space. mental space. And yeah. I know that that's not glamorous, but it's true and it's pretty yeah. beautiful. It's awesome. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and the women that that have that you know, they, they always, 
say how incredible it is, you know, the, like the, any, any of the women I've worked with, and I'm sure, you know, it's similar for you. It's just this feeling mm -hmm. of, of space in their minds, which is so good. Right. Isn't it lovely? It is. Yeah. <laughs> so much more Buddha like. <laughs> exactly. Cause you know what? Life is suffering to, you know, to call on the Buddha. Life is suffering. It mm -hmm. is. You're mm -hmm. human. Welcome. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. You've made it. Yeah. Um, life is suffering, yeah. but deal with it. Right. And I, you know what? I'm not very good at it all the time. You can ask my boyfriend. I cry a lot, but like, and especially with all of the like bad things that are happening with my health and whatever right now. Um, but at the same time, like there are days when I recognize that life is suffering and this is just a thing I have to accept. It's not as hard. That's compassion. Acceptance you know? of suffering is compassion. Yeah. You know, that's, and that's yeah. the beauty of it. Yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> you can find the link with all the details about Kyla's program at summerinandend.com forward slash FRR dash seven three. Um, or what's the direct website if people just want to like hop right over? Um, okay. So, <laughs> so my main website is, uh, performingwoman.com. Okay. Um, and that will also take you to all of the things that I have. But, um, if you want to learn about my program, it's performingwoman.teachable.com. And then you can enroll in the course. Um, or if you click enroll, it'll give you this, the page with all the FAQs and stuff like that. Okay. Awesome. Um, and then I also want to encourage people if you're like, okay, I can't do a program right now, or I'm doing too many programs, or, you know, like I want to see discovery in a different way. And somewhere I'll send you this link. I'm running a GoFundMe for my show in New York. Um, cause unfortunately art doesn't get compensated ever anywhere. Um, so anyone who wants to help make this production a reality, this one woman feminist Broadway inspired burlesque show, um, my goal is to be able to take it and travel once I've created it. So if you want me to come produce it in your town, shoot me a message, feel free to share the GoFundMe with other people. But like the more money I can raise, the more I can, um, you know, potentially bring this thing to light and then bring it around to other people and, and share discovery in a different way. So amazing. I will share both of those. And again, summerinandend.com forward slash FRR dash seven three. Thank you so much for being here again. I feel like I could just talk for at least four more hours about many oh, other yeah. things. <laughs> uh, I'm anytime, anytime you want a podcast, love, I'm in. <laughs> I never shut up. So. <laughs> well, especially now, right, that you've taken a hiatus with finding our hunger. It's uh, you, I'm sure yeah. there's there's like part of you that that still wants to <laughs> fulfill that. <laughs> Speaking and Gosh, you, yes. I, I literally I'm doing three podcast interviews this week and I'm like, oh, I missed this. <laughs> yes. Yes. I know. It's um, yeah, there's something about it. It's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's fun and gratifying. Cool. Awesome. Thank you, Kyla. Yay. Thank you. Rock on. If you like what you've heard, please head to iTunes to leave me a review. It will take two seconds and I would be super grateful. Click on reviews and ratings and then click to rate. Easy peasy. You can do it on your phone right now, just while you're driving even. Just kidding.
And don't forget to head to summerinandin.com or thebodyimagecoach.com to grab your free rule breakers guide to rocking your bod plus the 10-day body confidence makeover plus your exclusive invite to my free online community all for free. Free, free, free. Cool. All right. Until next time, rock on. Rock on.